do you realize that we're creating a humanoid race? We will have humanoids that will compete with us for world domination. The most nightmare scenario I can imagine with AI and robotics is a world where robots have become so powerful that they are able to control or manipulate humans. What is up, guys? Welcome to ThoughtCast. My name is Sumi. Today, I got Bob Myers with me. Before we begin, I want to give a big shout out to K&D for allowing us to film this podcast in this beautiful penthouse here. But Bob, I'm excited to have you on. First and foremost, I always like to let people introduce themselves. Yeah. I know you do a lot of different things. So tell me a little bit about what you do, what your business is, and your background. You're going to learn really quickly that you're talking to somebody whose brain got screwed up at some point in his past. So I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to start there because who gives about that? Who gives a shit about all that other stuff? Who is Bob Myers? Here's what I fucking do. I focus on the success of others and I find success. I found very quickly in my life that it doesn't matter what I think and it doesn't really matter what the world thinks. All that matters is what I can do to help another person on this earth. And in doing that, I have reaped tremendous rewards and I started that really early in my life because I had two friends that were were not necessarily the accepted crowd let's just say that I grew up in the 60s I would have been in the Martin Luther King movement if I could have because I just think that pigmentation thing is stupid whatever they call that I'm giving no energy so that's who I am I'm 100% focused on how do I help people succeed in life and then I find success. I've done that through technology. Like when computer processors had one hertz, like 4.7 hertz, you guys don't even conceive that. I was working on that computer. And everybody in the world told me, man, those are PCs, those are toys. They're never going to make it. I said, no, they're going to rule the world someday. We are now into the ruling the world part because AI is alive. So I've always done tech that was man-machine interface. I learned it really early in my career. So that's who I am, and that's what I've done. Um, OnStar was a piece of technology we built for uh, GM and Hughes. Uh, if you go into an autonomous tractor, for John Deere, we helped build that. Uh, we're working on autonomous vehicles, smart city, smart grid, all the stuff that's the precursor to AI. That's what my company's worked on all my life. Now that AI is here, right, and AI is very present, before I go into the AI, I know you've had a lot of companies that were very successful. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people listening that probably want to learn about business, want to sure. learn about finance, want to learn about just life in general. Tell me a little bit about your companies, your exits, and what you've done with them. Great. So I've had three what I would consider notable exits. I've created more companies than I can remember. The first company that I was a part of was right before the dot-com, and we reinvented the car buying experience. This is when the Internet first came out. Um, we made it so that you could shop for a car online, pick the car you wanted, then go over to a kiosk, get keys, it'll be out in the lot, you go take that thing for a drive, you come back, you do all your financing electronically. We built that in 1997. It's 26 years ago, okay? 
So that was the first company. That company exited for, I think, 80, bill, 80 million, okay? On the back of the project that I sold. Um, second company, we went into the electronic ticketing business. This is back in 2000 when we started to see electronic ticketing showing up at airports. So we built that company right before that was all gonna happen. That one should have sold for 180 million. We had an offer to buy from NCR for $180 million. My CEO turned it down because he thought that somebody else in town got more money than he did, which was a lie. They actually got less money than he would have gotten, but he turned it down and then we went into the dot bomb. I sold that technology out to another company and made a little bit of money, that was my second. My third was uh, an exit with a company called Accenture. That was Pillar Technology. Uh, I built that over probably a 15 year span I wasn't going to sell it, and then we got this project uh, to develop the smart city operating system in Columbus, and I felt like I needed to scale big because I felt like we were on the edge now of smart computer AI-driven technology. Um, if the CEO of that company wouldn't have died, we'd be killing it right now, but he did. They got a new CEO, and they didn't quite maybe understand what they had bought. And uh, I'm still talking to them now that I'm out of my five-year non-compete. Okay. So that's the three companies that were significant. But I've had probably 10 other companies that I've built that were probably bigger in hell. I just didn't realize that they were bigger in hell when I built them. Okay. Um, I sold those for a little bit of money. I gave it to somebody and they gave me, you know, pittance based on what, I should have done with it. Now, what are you focused on now? Is it like retirement for you or is it something new? What is the vision right now? You mentioned AI, so. Do you realize that we're creating a humanoid race? Yes, we are. Very much so with AI. I mean, it's going to become, I think the, this is just my personal belief. I think that once we have a good grip on AI in some sense, it's just going to explode. It's going to be acceleration. Like it's going to be an exponential growth. Oh because then you, once you get in the point where machines are learning and they're developing other softwares and AI is developing effectively another AI that can help it develop. <laughs> I mean, you know, you really get into scary talks, but also very productive talks. It's oh, very productive. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's also, I think a lot of people have a fear with it. So when people see people like you that are so pro-AI, there's definitely a, a, a crowd that's like, what are you doing? It's going to be Terminators. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, this. And, and what do you, I mean, what do you say about that? Those are great questions. Um, let me tell you, I got into AI. 12 years ago, I went to the premiere of a movie called Transcendent Man. In Transcendent Man, they talk about the singularity. And the singularity is the blending together of humans and artificial intelligence. They believe that by 2029 or 2030, that computers will have consciousness, okay? I don't give a fuck about that, okay? I don't even know what that means. Here's what I do care about. We have created a humanoid race that will compete with us in every aspect of life. So if they are with a trillion neurons in their neural network faster than we are with our 100 trillion neural network, we have got to get out in front of this shit. When I went to that movie, I walked out twice in horror 
because I could see how we could do this because I was in the tech industry and I was in the robotics industry and I could see how neural networks and bandwidth would ex exponentially grow and how we could put these together and build quantum. So processors are on a Moore's law. Quantum is not on a Moore's law, okay? If you don't think anything about Moore's law, that chips will double in speed every two years, okay? Well, AI is going to take off like crazy. Look at chat GPT 1.0 to version 4.0. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. You know, uh, mid-journey is starting to take off in the graphics area. We will have humanoids that will compete with us for world domination. I don't know how it's going to all happen, but I know I want to be out in front because right now I got 100 trillion neural networks and they got 1 trillion, but they're way more efficient with their one. So I got to get out ahead of that thing. So I'm 100% in the business of getting out ahead of AI. So your philosophy is more so like, I get it now, because a lot of people are like, okay, we're going to invent, they, their theory is we're going to invent so this, this race and this race is going to pass us up. But you're more so saying, no, we're going to invent things that help us get ahead. Stay ahead. And stay ahead and then create, you know, subsectors of whatever we need to create, like a humanoid race. But we're going to be ahead with technology. Yes. And by integrating it within us in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Because we created it. Okay. Because if we created it, then we can also put constraints on it to some degree. There are some theories that we can't. I don't agree with that theory. I think AI is, is like a huge hot topic right now. And I think it's like, you know, we're in a different realm now where like I, I use chat GPT all the time and I think it's super useful and I definitely, you know, refine statements. I look at things. I use a spell check and GPT-4 is <laughs> like I'm very like I don't think everyone has. I'm not even sure if everyone has access at this time to GPT-4, but it's so they I think they tuned it back a bit because yeah. there were so many like. You know, you can ask it crazy things like, hey, how do you commit suicide effectively? Like different yeah. things like that. And they had to tune it back because and there's certain res restrictions and restraints in there. What do you think about them placing restraints on there? Because that's the big thing that people are worried about. Yeah. You know, the language speaking aggressively like you can. I think at one point with early AI development, it was like, how do you dominate the world? It's like, you know, you need to get in power politically resource. What, and now it's like constrained where it doesn't say that stuff. Yeah. What do you think they should do about that? Okay. Here's what I think we should do. If we have indeed created the potential to create human-like beings that can think and act like we can, but with superpower, we have to get superpower. That's the only way we can compete. We have to become more powerful. The human race needs to increase our capability exponentially to compete with a computer. That's what I'm building with this new company I've got, Sky AI. Tell me about Sky AI. Sky AI is building all Sky, I'm sorry, all AI-driven companies. Sky AI builds companies that are 100% built around AI, okay? So if there's some kind of crisis, where do people go? They stay at home. We put in stay-at-home orders. Are our homes secure? Against some things, not all the time. Not as secure as the office. Yeah. People don't use chat GPT at the office. They come over and use it at night. Yep. Guess who's getting that information? Not the corporation. OpenAI is. 
have you thought about what you're giving them as far as information? Guys, we got to rethink this thing. So I'm creating AI where you talk to Concy and Concy goes and gets the information for you. So who is Concy? So Concy is my bot that I'm creating. So we first thing that we're doing is going after lodging, okay? Because we got to secure our shelters because that's where we go when there's a crisis, okay? And then I'm going to extend it into health because if I don't have food, shelter, clothing, and health, I got nothing, all right? So my first two companies are Next Generation Lodging. That's where Ariva came from. And True Health AI. So you're more so hierarchy of needs kind of thing. Hierarchy of needs. Okay. I'm going after the hierarchy of needs. Because remember, we created something that's going to compete with me and you. Okay? I like, kind of don't care about what's happening to everybody else. I want to be the smartest I could possibly be. Because I've got a new set of competition. In any business, if you're a knowledge worker, you are going to be disrupted by AI. 100%. Lawyers, doctors, physicians, all of them. I'm building AI that can do a little bit better job of diagnosing a problem than you can. So then, therefore, why do I need you? Somebody's got to do the surgery. Somebody's got to actually physically go check various things that you can usually only do in person. So everybody's getting disrupted. Everybody's getting disrupted. It's equal opportunity disruption. We got to get out ahead of it. That's how we stay ahead of it. Get out ahead of it. Start now. We got to learn fast. We got to go do these things right now. Build our own personal sentient that protects us and our health and our security. Move it into our offices. Then we start to enable business. I, I can enable all of my things at business now and I can do my business transactions through Concy because Concy knows everything about me and protects everything and doesn't share things and it is a bot talking to a bot so it knows how to talk to it in a way that it's not going to get himself in trouble. So the big thing I think people are scared of and that's revolutionary There's, I guess people are also scared of data collection right? Yeah. And you know like there's obviously people that are very forward thinking, like collect the data, it refines it. You know, when, when things pop up, like we can use this for data collection, would you like to opt into data collection? Some people are like, yeah, for yeah. sure. I want to get a better user experience and I would love to contribute to a better user experience. But then there's people that are like, well, you know, we all search private things. We yeah. all look at private yeah. stuff and they're scared to give their data up. But, you know, there's a whole issue with this recently with like Facebook, right? Where yeah. Congress just didn't understand what was going on with Zuckerberg. And he's like, these are just cookies, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, what do you say about what do you say to those people that are like afraid of data collection? They're already getting there are, it. Yep, yeah. That's They're right. already getting it. Why are you ignorant to the fact that they already know what you're looking for? Because you're putting it into the phone. It's not like you're putting it into an encrypted chat and something's going out and getting it for you and bringing it back. That's what I'm proposing. I'm proposing you tell Concy go get it, and Concy's the one that go gets it. Well, if there's a hundred million Concy inquiries. Who the fuck is who? It's all Concy. And Concy becomes my liaison of information to the world of AI. I already, they already, they're stealing they're, it today. They're already engaging in it. And people don't yeah. necessarily know about it because... Well, you know, because every once in a while something pop up. Later, you go, fuck, I didn't realize they heard that or saw that. <laughs> right, you Google, you think, you talk about something, next thing you know, boom, it's on your Amazon. Dude, they are getting it today. Yeah. They're just stealing it, okay? We're going to put a protective shield up, and they're not going to steal that no shit no more. 
okay? That's how you solve the problem. So the question is, why can you trust Concy? Because Concy is going to be built in Ohio, okay? Why is that important? Because <laughs> we're a fucking neutral state for the most part. We swing back and forth. That's why everybody likes testing their products here. So it'll be made in Ohio, and we will have values in our network of people that are shared. And when we say something ain't right, like you ain't searching that, Conti says, I won't do that for you. If you want to do that, here's where you go on your own. Go search. I ain't doing that for you. Okay? That's the only way to get out ahead of this thing. We collectively agree that when we buy into Conti, we are trusting that, that bot with all of our information and we're protecting it and we only share with what we want to share with, with whoever we want to share it with. And boom, now you're in control of your data. So I talk a lot about mental health on, on my podcast. I talk a lot about relationships, dating. How do you think AI is going to impact? You know, I've already seen it from in some aspects because, you know, in dating apps now, there's small AI that's in, in, in put in there. Like when you swipe right on a certain type of person, it has so many facial analytics and, and picture <laughs> analytics that it can tell, okay, he likes brunettes. Yeah. Okay, he likes people from the, and it, it matches that data up based on who you like. It's better at matching you up with future people. Yeah, but that is a very advanced thing that I, I mean, I already already predicted that. I'm like, this is what's going to happen with dating and AI. But how do you think it's going to actually? Do you think it's going to do anything else besides that, just by helping us match up? Or do you think the human interaction is always going to be the human interaction? Have you ever seen Jarvis on uh, Iron Man? Yes, I've seen. Yeah, I've watched Iron Man. All right. Here's what Concy's going to do. Uh, what's the full pronunciation of your name? What's your full name? Sumed Bassani. You don't have a middle name? No middle name. Sumed Bassani. This is Concy. I have the perfect girl for you. Here's how I know. That would be great. Because I've been on her phone for two months. She's a perfect match. Would you like me to introduce her to you? Here's a couple pics, and these are real pics. That's awesome. These aren't the Photoshopped ones. Okay. And here's a sample of what she's interested in. And she's already said she can share that information with you. Because I said, I got somebody that might be a perfect match for you. And she said, yes. Now I'm just asking you, do you want to say yes and see if it's a perfect match? And it'll fucking be a perfect match. Unless you got baggage, everybody's got baggage. Everyone does. But now I already know what the baggage is, and I'm going to coach you through how to work through those issues because those are just mental health issues that you learned when you were a kid or you learned because you had this bad relationship two relationships ago. So I'm going to give you some mental health therapy through True Health AI, which is one of the family companies that Concy supports, on how to retrace your neural network to have a better outcome in this relationship. And I'm working with Samed too. That's fucking AI to the max that will be here in six to 10 years. That's crazy. Do you think that, see, this is where people get scared of it too, though. Yeah. So this is the thing that I want to. I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is the fear of AI because there's so much fear in not necessarily getting better, 
you know, there's still nations and countries out there in the world that restrict technology for the purpose of preserving a certain religion or a certain type of culture or a certain sure. type of lifestyle because people are very comfortable. And, you know, when people get very old and archaic and prehistoric in their mindset, they don't want to advance. Yeah. And so there's a lot of fear in, in, in getting better and getting out of... Some people think that we should revert back to technology. They, they think that we should go back to... <laughs> You know, we're prehistoric animals in medieval architecture with futuristic technology, you know? Yeah. So a lot of times I tell people that we're, we're born to fail, you know? Like in, in today's culture, we have a lot of problems with dating today. Yeah. One of the biggest reasons why is because we have overstimulation. We have so many people on social media. Everybody can just get their phone, and it's, it's like a, a nightclub in your pocket. Like, you know, you can go see people. So one of the fears that people have with AI dating and AI, you know, recommendations is like, is it just going to be easy for me to get up and find somebody new? Okay, I don't like my husband anymore. Boom. I'm going to go, I need a new husband that's going to do this instead of this husband. <laughs> okay. It's like, that's the fear that people have. Um, and I want to put this pressure on you because I know 100%. you're the best to answer this kind of stuff. Oh, I love this. I love this. Whatever human behaviors we have today, it'll make them much faster and much more efficient. So that's the that's the winning that's the thing right there. You're about well, yeah. If you're a winning, if you're a winning getting in and out of relationships person, and you take that as being something that you enjoy and love in life, then you're gonna be really good at it. Your focus is optimizing humans as a race with AI, not necessarily creating an alternate. Well, that happens too, but it's it's not. Well, let me give you the rest of the story. How's that working out for you? This new girl every six months. Not where it's, you know, with it's people, getting old. when people date like a lot, you know, people struggle with social media and dating and it's not, you have a marriage at a 55% divorce rate. Yeah. You have majority of marriages and, and divorces occurring from women. Women are typically the ones that are very overstimulated because, you know, you have social media, which really killed it for women. And then you have pornography, which really killed it for men. Yeah. And so with social media, there's guys in any girl's inbox I'll marry you. I love yeah. you. And it may not be relationship intention. It may just be sexual attention. And that's what's causing a lot of the marriages to break up in one sense. And then you have men that demand a lot and that, you know, act aggressively in relationships because they see pornography. 90% of pornography has violent scenes. Yeah. It's some crazy stuff. And so we have a dating crisis right now. We have a relationship yeah. crisis. And when we have relationship crises, we have generational crises because people are not being married. People 100%. are not living together. They're not raising children together. These children come up in a broken household. We have a generation that's broken. 100%. With, filled with trauma. Um, partially broken. You now made them aware of where the brokenness is? Of course, yeah. So let's just go to the brokenness. Okay, why do you feel like you need that affirmation on social media? What is missing in your life that would cause you to go there? Guys, have you never had a really powerful, intimate sexual relationship with somebody that is super meaningful and like really fabulous? Well, that ain't what you're watching. That's all engineered or artificial, that's completely primitive. The next thing I want to talk to you about is how to have deep, meaningful relationships with people that last. Because do you ever want to have any kids? I've never met a kid that enjoyed a divorce. No, never. Never. They resent it. They get mad at both parents. Yeah. It's tough. So that's our generation. Yeah. We got a generation of people that went through divorce, so they're kind of pissed off because they went through divorce, 
And now what's manifesting in our kids is a relational crisis. Yep. Okay. So how do we fix that? Oh, well, let's go back to why that happened. I can tell you why I got divorced. I was a workaholic. Okay. I was not in some form taking care of the needs of my wife. And she went and got interested somewhere else. I own that, man. I fucked up. Okay. But I told my kids, all right, just because I fucked up, that don't mean this is an excuse for you to fuck up. I did never intended this. If I could have stayed in this game, I would have. If we could have worked it out, we would have, but we just couldn't. There was too much damage done. What do you say to the young guys? Because there's a lot of propaganda now with younger guys that are in their 20s, and I even subscribe to it to a degree where I'm like, you know, when you're young, you've got to work and you've got to grind until you have something, and then you get into dating. But there's some guys that are in relationships, and I see a lot of relationships fall apart because exactly what you're saying, yeah. people work so hard. What would you say to those guys where it's like, hey, I have my career where we can be better and we can live like this because you have a lot of success, and the, the workaholic yeah. paid off, obviously. Yeah. But what would you say to those guys that are kind of caught in between? Why are you so inefficient with your time? The guys? Yeah. Because yes. you know you know that your brain can only stay super focused for 20 minutes? Like, really? Yeah. If you're really good, you can be in flow for 40 minutes. They talk about the, the Pomodoro method, where it's yeah. like 25-5. Yep, 100%, I agree. 100%. So why are you so inefficient with your time that you can't have balance in your life? Most people don't learn balance because they've never actually seen balance because they Bingo. come from households. Yep. That's what I tell them. Bro, I have a probably 25 or 30 guys that call me all the time, and we talk serious shit about relationships. Yeah, I love okay? it. And I'll be like, that's a, compati- that's a compatibility checking opportunity for you. Because here's the deal. You got this baggage from your previous relationship. And I think you're carrying that into this one. You got to give her, you got to cut her some slack on that, bro. Okay. Is there anything you're hiding? I'll tell you this situation. She got into his phone and looked at a text. Okay. And they're kind of dating. So they've kind of crossed the line where that supposedly would be an okay thing. But there was still shit in there that he wasn't comfortable with. Okay, so I said, bro, you got something in there you ain't comfortable with? Because if you are, then you just got to be straight with her. Like, I'm still talking to a couple other people. Like, so it's not, does that mean you got to define the boundaries? That's only fair. He's like, really, there's not anything that's in there to be proud of. I'm like, okay, then what the fuck are you worried about? Now, did she ask? No, that's not cool. But I'm okay with it. This is a next step in our relationship. I let you get in my phone, and you didn't ask. So that means if I wanted to do the same, we're at a whole different trust level in our relationship. 100%, yep. Okay? So, and I can't prohibit me getting something from somebody in the past. So just so you know, there are probably some strings out there that, the people realize when I get into a relationship, there's a little competition, okay? Because they wanted that. But I'm cool with being that transparent and honest with you as we move up this ladder of trust. Do you think, you know, like when you talk about AIs and matching people and coaching people through relationship, I feel like, do you think there'll be a marketplace for different AI softwares? Is this like, because I'm, I'm starting to see it like, well, there's, okay, well, I didn't have much luck with Tinder. I'm yeah. going to go use this app. Well, it's like I didn't have much luck with AI dating one. 
So I'm going to go to AI dating too. Yeah. Do you think there'll be aggressive large corporations? And I already see it with Google. Yeah. You already see it with Google. Apple in theory has AI with Siri, right? You have chat, you have a lot of different things. Where do you see this competition going in the marketplace? Back to your personal bot. We are going to create a version of you that is as smart as you want it to be. That hundred time, hundred time more efficient with less neuron that you get out of AI, I'm extending you. So you're gonna know, because Conti's gonna know, I'm, you realize this is on all the time. Hey, Conti, or hey, Siri. It's gonna show up, yep. It's on all the time. Mike is on all times. It's crazy. Location is on at all times. I know everything about you. Whether you realize it or not, do you ever go anywhere without your phone? No, I don't. Phones. People piss. They shit. They take showers. My wife talks to people in the shower on her phone. I do, too. <laughs> oh, my I do, too. God. 100%. So here's the deal. As long as you've got something that can talk to your phone on you, I know everything about you. My matching algorithms will be off the chain because it's real. Yeah. And I will know what the compatibility issues are going to be. Okay. And I could kind of coach you guys through that. I see it as a good thing. Oh, 100%. But, but, but people, I know people are going to be reluctant to it, but I guess we'll have to see it as it comes. But let me ask you this. Let me switch gears. Can I go to a song real quick? Yeah, go for it. Anybody heard that song from Bob Dylan? You got to trust somebody. You heard that? You got to trust somebody. You got to trust somebody. Right now, you're trusting everybody. Yeah, with AI, yeah, with, with the cell phones, people trust this more than people. Hell yeah, why? You got 150 apps on here. You know, it's funny, it's like that saying, like, oh, you say something, Google it. It's the first, <laughs> it's the, it's the first thing that people say. Yeah, Google is your best friend. But we're not capturing that information for our knowledge, okay? We don't particularly want them in our stuff, grabbing our stuff, do we? No. We got to put that shield up. But at the same time, the more now, optimized- it will emerge where there's AI-driven counseling things. And we'll get some of the same software kind of thinking that's happening already. Everybody's, every commercial now is AI commercial. Okay, Salesforce did an AI commercial last night. Okay. So it's all coming. But that's all myth. And they're going to look at it from a software development perspective. I'm looking at it as a human, humanoid thing. If we put these humanoids on the earth that can be a superior species to us, we got a bigger problem than commerce. Yeah, <laughs> okay? no, 100%. That's, that's the fear that people have. That's the fear they should have. So therefore, how do you get out in front of that fear? We're the dominant race right now. We have to get better. Get out in front of this thing. Okay. Now, let me, let me switch gears here for a second. Okay, cool. you, have, you have an interesting story with your personal life, with your fitness and your own health. Yeah. Right? So, you used to, you, I mean, we talked about this in, in brief detail, but you used to drink. Oh, big time. And now you don't. Yeah. And I always like to ask people that step away from... Alcohol, in my opinion, is probably the biggest drug and the most dangerous drug oh, out there. Oh, by far. Because it's so normalized and ingrained in society, it's almost taboo to not grab a drink. Hey, are you going to drink something? And like, you get yeah. called out. No other drug I've seen people be like, hey, you're not going to do a shot of heroin like 
You're, yeah. you're, what are you, loser? Come on, man. Yeah. But alcohol, it's like you're shamed for not being, come on, take a shot. Come on. It's my birthday. Come on. Yeah. It's one of those things. So why, why did you stop? What, what, what caused you to stop? What happened? That's a great story. And by the way, I'm proud of the fact that you know that. I appreciate it. I'm serious. I'm glad that you're aware of that peer pressure around alcohol because um, that's how you get away from it. Uh, don't it's, let somebody pressure you into doing anything. It's hard to stop when oh, you're it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard, yeah. Okay, so here's what happened. So I have been fat and unfat on a yo-yo diet for years, okay? I'd get all, I'd see a picture of myself and be like, fat, man, you look fat. I'd lose 30 pounds. I saw the picture of you on the boat and with, oh, and you look so different now. Oh, oh. <laughs> You know, one of those, somebody get me and I wouldn't be posing and sucking it in and flexing. And I'd be like, oh, I'm losing weight. So I yo-yo dieted for probably uh, most of my adult life. And then uh, we went into COVID and I had a doctor, a friend of mine, who said, dude, you're fat. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, man. And he grabbed a hold of all this visceral fat that was in my body. And he's like, that is all packed around your organs and your heart, and that is killer fat, and you need to get that off. I'm like, okay, let's do it. He's like, how much you pay me? I said, I'll pay a 1000 bucks a week. This is during COVID. So he had capacity. Um, he's a chiropractor and a strength and fitness coach. So I'll pay a 1000 bucks a week, but you got to write it all down. And if it works, we're going to turn it into a company. So you entrepreneurs out there, that's how I fucking create companies. I'm like, here's an opportunity. 60% of people in the United States have an obesity problem. Most people are not in the fitness level that they'd like to be in. They complain about it all the time. So if we can show people how to do that, let's do it. So anyways, uh, so we get started. I dived down, okay? But I had dived down before. I got down to a level where I could not lose any more weight and body fat unless I curbed the drinking, okay? That was my problem. Because when you drink, forget about drinking. I don't give a shit about it. You want to drink, go drink. But if you want to be fit and drink, you have to realize you're not only getting like calories, you're getting the metabolic pull down. And the older you get, the less metabolism that you have, and it pulls it down farther, okay? So that's why you get these guys in the late 20s, early 30s starting to get a belly, Okay, that's the alcohol metabolic change that happened when you went into your 30s and you're no longer athletic and doing the things you used to do. So I had to start curbing my drinking, all right, which was hard, harder than I ever imagined, like withdrawal symptoms kind of hard. Was it, okay, so with the difficulty, was it, you just mentioned withdrawal, is it the social pressure or what was really? Fuck, I didn't give a shit about social pressure. So it was just. Because I was still having a few. It was just a need. But it was that one more, okay, that I had to have when I was supposed to only have two or three. I always snuck in one more, and I didn't put it on my log as a calorie. And I got to the point where I just had to back off. So I, like, said, okay, I'm only cheating myself. Put in what you're doing, and at least you got to up your output more to stay where you're at and continue to lose because you can still drink pretty heavy, but you got to really work your ass off. 
Yeah. So I worked my ass off and I started taking it down. And then I got to the next level and I did curb it. I really did curb it because I knew I had a problem. All right. Got to the next level and he's like, okay, if you want to go to the next level, you're going to have to like cut it to three days a week or whatever. So just party on the weekends. So I was like, oh, shit. I don't know if I could sleep if I don't have a drink. Oh, I need that drink. I'm like, fuck this. I did it. I didn't drink from a Monday to a Friday. It was hard as hell, bro. I'm telling you, like, on Wednesday, I had the shakes. I was like, fuck. I'm an alcoholic. Your body's addicted. My body is addicted to alcohol, man. That's a fucking problem. That's a fucking problem. Like, that is not good that I need it that bad, okay? So I was like, okay, I went through it. So Friday came along, party time. One ham. Yeah. One crazy. Ooh, I didn't think I went crazy. I partied. We went out on my boat on a Saturday. So we start drinking about 1 o'clock. And I kept track of everything. I looked at my results at like 12 o'clock, 1230 at night, p.m. I had drank 36 ounces of vodka. I was like, 36 ounces? Is that one of those big bottles? I drank a whole one of those big bottles by myself. You're a big dude, but yeah. And I looked it up. It was like four ounces over. I'm like, okay, that's fucked up, bro. That's fucked up. That is not good for your body. That ain't good for your liver. And I was like, you got to, you got to cut this shit out. You can't handle. And I, and I remember that night I lost consciousness a little bit. It's one of those nights you can't remember the whole night. Yeah. Okay. And I woke up the next day, major fucking hangover. And I couldn't remember the entire night. I don't remember walking back from the restaurant to my condo. I'm like, that's a problem. You got a problem with alcohol. So that's where you stop. Because like, I always am interested in like where and why. And it's like I got a DUI. Or it's like yep. I got crazy. Or I, I fell off my thing. Like, that was the point. That was the point. That was the point. I was like, dude, you got a problem. And I used to tell people, like, if you can't remember things in your night, you got a problem with alcohol. You drank too much. Okay. Which I never had that problem before. Maybe a little bit. Um, because I drank every night, but since I was like trying to get it in because it was a weekend, I just realized, why do I need this so much? Okay. This is a problem. Well, that got me into the mental health side. I was like, you have fucking no coping skills. That was the first thing that popped in my head, but I was started using THC though. That was my savior, honestly, because I was getting a buzz during the week on THC, and then I was taking THC and adding alcohol to it, and it was like I was fucking zoomed, okay? Combining those two, bad idea at the level of drinking I was. But I never would dr- drive or anything like that, but I could certainly fall in the brink and, and, and drown, okay, because I live right on the ocean. I was just like, I got horrible coping skills, man. Like, why are you, what are you shutting out or what are you healing or what are you trying to do? I was trying to shut my brain down. That's what I was doing with alcohol. So I shifted over and I started looking at why do I need to shut my brain down? 
because I'm so fucking stressed out during the day because I create all these stressful situations in my business and I stress out about everything that I shouldn't be stressing out about that I can't control. It backed me into the mental health side. It was such a fucking beautiful revelation. Seriously. It was like, whoa, my problem isn't drinking. My problem is coping. I do all this shit as coping mechanism. That wasn't the only one. I had other ways I was coping. You talked about things that guys do. Those are some coping mechanisms there. They're causing those relational problems. I personally never subscribed to that because I was like, it's fake. All right? Right. But I had a relationship issue at the time where we were having a hard time getting through some compatibility stuff. We really loved each other, but we were holding on to shit. And we weren't advancing in the relationship. It was on and off, on and off. So it was a beautiful journey to actually realizing my real problem is coping. Okay? And I'm not going to use THC. I'm not going to use alcohol. I'm not going to use any of that shit to solve my coping problem. I'm going to solve my coping problem. And then if I want to add some things in, like THC, go for it. It's fucking great for you. Oh, yeah, by the way, mushrooms. Just introduced that into my life. Love those. Because that opens up new neural pathways that show you why you have some of the blocks during the day on mushrooms. It's really fucking profound. So I love those drugs because they actually can be super healthy for you if used in the right way. What do you say to all the young guys that are, you know, like this is like the main, this is where I think we were at one of the events and there was a young guy there and he was talking about drinking. I'm like, it's so hard for young people to stop drinking, yeah. even though, ironically, they're the ones that could probably benefit from it the most. Yeah. You know, because when you're 50 and retired and whatnot and, like, you have a beer, it's not detrimental to your business or you're necessarily, like, it's not going to kill you. But when you're young and you're full of energy and you're waking up late for a job that you have to go to, yeah. it's so detrimental. But the thing I was talking about is, like, young people face more pressure socially yeah. because there's a psychological need for hierarchy, especially when we're young and yeah, we're hormonal. And so if you're not partaking in the drinking activities, you're not invited to the party, you're not a good time, you're not contributing, and then you're not getting the girl, and it's, it's, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a whole landslide. What do you yeah. say to those people? Get a new set of friends. If your friends put pressure on you to drink and you're trying not to drink, get new friends. Change environment. What if I was a alcoholic okay if i came in and i said dude i'm an alcoholic you think people put pressure on me to drink mm, in some ways i think yes yeah I, that's bad yeah if i've already told you i got a problem with alcohol people would t most people actually egg it on most people are like oh john he's a drinker oh he you should see this guy get messed up he is wild yeah and there's people like that in college where they're like this guy when you get him drunk, he's a fun time because he's just out of control. Yeah, but here's the deal, though. Okay, everybody has that college, and yep. I, I have. We had our whole group was that group. Okay, um, when it starts to affect your life, where you don't get up and go to work the next day, or you're really just depressed, and you're you're shielding that depression with alcohol. It's, there's people that can handle it and there's people who can't handle it. The people who can't handle it regularly demonstrate how they can't handle it. They are probably on a path to realizing at some point they got a problem with alcohol. Okay. But here's the deal. Like, guys, 
why are you putting pressure on me to do alcohol? I did THC. Am I good? And by the way, in the THC community, we never like go, come on, man. You got to have another hit. <laughs> That's just not cool. Yeah. Is it? Hell no. That would be like frowned upon. Like right. that's not cool. 100%. You can't manage your own buzz. Like get out of here. But in alcohol, it's a competition. All right. Well, quit making it a competition. Right. Like change that culture. Say, guys, well, here's a good thing. Here's a good thing. One of our potential customers is a large beer distributor. You know what their most popular beers are now? No, I think. Non-alcoholic. Really? They're killing it. Really? They're killing it. It's coming. It's coming. I would say to those guys, be a leader. Be a leader. Be fun. Be interactive. Be great. Be life party. Use THC. Okay? And I, I hang out with all my buddies in Florida who drink all day long, and I hang out with them all day night when they're drinking. But I'm on THC. I drink soda and crayon. They don't even think about it. I think a lot of times people use alcohol as a shield to take themselves out of a they're sober. They put themselves in an uncontrolled state because it gives them an excuse to act a certain way and to be emotional yeah. and to kind of numb life. This is the thing, though. I wish that, you know, like you look at big colleges like OSU, for example, that the amount of alcohol that is through OSU is insane levels. I mean, I can, I can, I went to University of Maryland, like, you know, it's, it's just everyone had alcohol to the max and yeah. it's the worst type. I remember we had. Everclear, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we used to do that. That's our budget-friendly alcohol. Yeah. We would get Everclear and just a lot of Gatorade, and that's what we do. We drink straight gasoline, yeah. basically. <laughs> and that's, it's like, okay, and then it's the worst type. It's the unfiltered Burnett. It's the, fi we fireball, oh my God. Yeah. It's this, and I wish that college culture wasn't like that. I wish there was something that could break that up. Yeah. And that's like what I seek for, and I don't even know if I'll make a dent in it. Yeah. You know, when you talk to young people, that's a great aspiration. You, you, you know, you talk to young people, and you can tell them the health risks. Yeah, they don't feel it. I remember yeah. being like twenty one, and I'm like, people that get hungover are losers. They're just not drinking enough water because I never got hang hangovers yeah. until I was like twenty three, twenty four. It's like, whoa! I woke up one day, I was like, <laughs> this is different. And then when you get past, you know, I'm not even thirty yet, but when you yeah. get to like thirty, you're like, oh god, this is different. You start to slow down. It hits you a lot harder now. Yeah, but then. When they're young, they don't feel the hangover because their body just recovers a lot faster. Yeah. Number two, there's social pressure there. Number three, they have a lot of emotions and they're all over the place with their hormones and stuff like that. that yeah. it, it's just like more of a need to just calm down and get numb. Yeah. It's hard to, to get young people to stop. And yeah. I think that like that's probably one of our biggest problems in today's society. You know, yeah. and, and there's another problem that comes with it too. Like a lot of people get in relationships and they, their relationships are just being drunk and partying together or even worse. Sometimes they have kids yeah. out of just a drunken hookup and yeah. they have no idea who the father is. And then you get into these problems. Where do you think this next generation of people is really going to be at mentally? You talk about how yeah. our generation or your generation was a divorce generation. Where do you think the next generation of like 18 to 19 to 24 year olds is going to be? Oh, we were divorced and drinking yeah. by far. We were the ones that made the Bud Lights, yeah. the Miller Lights, yeah, all that shit as popular as it is because we were the first wave of major drinking at a large scale. Um, here's what I would tell uh, my kids who are 21 to 32. They're right in that gauge gap. Um, have fun. Do what you're going to do. 
just realize that if you use it as a coping mechanism, it's a problem. Okay? Since I've gone through this major transformation, and by the way, my kids called the doctor that told me I was fat that actually is responsible for my health transformation and told them that they were concerned about my consumption of alcohol. Oh, really? Yeah. Was this so, before and after you met him, or was it like... Oh, this is during the process, because he's the only one I, that I would listen to. Yeah. Okay? And he didn't say anything about it. He just used a different technique. He kind of weaned you off he of it. He weaned me off yeah, of it, because we were committed. He knew I was a goal seeker, yeah. and that I was going to get down to my high school playing weight, and he didn't have to deal with it directly. He knew it would eventually come up. Do you find that's an effective way of coaching people? In oh, businesses? my God. Yeah, so... The, the number one thing I'd say to the kids that are in my age group, my kids' age group, is be yourself. Know who you are, good and bad. Because part of the key to life is when you're young and you're seeking all this stuff and your emotions are all over the place and you're anxious or whatever you are, and you turn to something like alcohol as a coping mechanism or you cave to peer pressure, that ain't being you, because if it's peer pressure and you're feeling pressured, why are you not a leader and telling them, no, I don't want to do that? Why is it important for you to get their affirmation? And if they can only accept you, if you do that with them, that sucks, man. That sucks. What if I don't like doing that? Like, what if I like you and I want to be with you, but I don't necessarily want to consume as much alcohol as you? Like... Dude, can we not just be ourselves? That's the crisis. We have a people are not willing to be themselves crisis. So therefore, they're trying to act like something that they ain't. Yeah. That's the whole social media thing. Like It's, it's like a, a disconnect from... Yeah. It, you're pressured to do a lot of different things because you see something on social media and you want to be this person, but then again, it's not reality. Yeah, but you know what? It's okay to have goals. Like, if you see something in somebody that you really admire, do it. But don't be them. 100%. Be you. Say, what inspires me about your crew? This dude over here, he, he's got it, man. That fucking look. He's got that look. That's what inspires me about him. I want to kind of look that way, but I could never pull off what he can pull off. Okay? i got to be different somehow, but I like that look. It's okay to be inspired by somebody, but don't be them. Be you. Find out who you are, what you love, what you like. And then also realize that you got some baggage that you're bringing to the table that you probably shouldn't like some stuff that you like. And just one at a time, knock that shit off. So, like, I, I have people that I coach. And they're like, okay, man, like, I'm stressed out. I gotta, I'm anxious all the time. I'm like, okay, start measuring it. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, get a whoop or get an aura ring. It'll show you your heart rate variability throughout the day. Then when it goes up, go back and go, okay, what was happening right there? Oh, I was having a hard conversation with my son who happens to be running a business who has a different business philosophy than I do. And I got triggered. It's a trigger, yeah. And my heart rate went up and I got pissed. Oh, I, got, I can't do that. Because our days are reflections of our night. If we're super stressed out during the day, I guarantee you're waking up in the middle of the night. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay? Because your mind is just like adrenaline, adrenaline. I need adrenaline. So just start knocking that shit out. Quit worrying about stuff you cannot control. With, with a lot of young people, like, you know, not necessarily being who they are, do you think that social media probably caused that? Or do you think it's just like the generational? Do you think it's like both or? I think it's both. I think it's both. Um, I mean, here's the deal. I was 100% influenced by peer pressure. You know, I never really. My, my parents were clueless when it came to emotional intelligence. Okay. They were like taught me emotional intelligence. That's what that is, is emotional intelligence where you have figured out, like, this dude's trying to pressure me to do something. And there's a lot of peer pressure in a lot of different ways, not just alcohol, okay? Um, And I think most people struggle with it, even adults, okay? I mean, dude, I get around groups. Like, I went to a bar the other night for my reunion, my class reunion, and everybody's all fascinated with how fit I look and that I don't drink because I used to be leading the pack <laughs> on the drinking side. Your story about Everclear, we used to have a <laughs> trash can and people would bring uh, something to mix it with, like a juice yeah, and a juice. whole bottle of something, 151, yeah, Everclear. Yeah, yeah. It was like 50% shit. And yeah. 50% alcohol, and we would drink that whole thing. Oh, yeah, by the way, we would uh, soak the fruit yep. in alcohol, alcohol ahead of time because the girls would go and eat the, the fruit. fruit. Yep, yep, I already <laughs> And know. that was a way to enhance the night. And they knew we did it, so like, it wasn't like we were trying to hide the shit from them. Okay, so I win some awards <laughs> for parties like that. And they were fun parties, man. I'm not suggesting to be some fucking ogre party guy. It says, don't do that, okay? What I am suggesting is emotional maturity. Like, don't be doing that every night for a week, okay? Unless you go to a concert or a festival and you want to do your run, okay? But then chill for a while. Let your body come back. Because, by the way, that is burning brain cells, dude. Yeah. It's Alcohol. actually not really good for you. Alcohol has a lot of... Negative it's, health it's effects. really bad. And I, you know, like, this is a thing, too. I think the biggest thing that stops people from drinking are not even the health effects, because they're just yeah. numerous. It's not even that. It's just the, I think the psychological. Social. Yeah, the social, the psychological effects, it's really bad. Because when you get so messed up that you're that drunk guy at the party, you will never get respect in yeah. a lot of different aspects. Also, when you put on weight, the freshman 15, a lot of that is caused by alcohol. By drinking a ton 100%. of beers because you are a college student, you can't afford not yeah. even good alcohol, but you can't. I couldn't afford the Grey Goose. Yeah. I had to get the Everclear and be smart with it. And then, exactly, the Jungle Juice, you literally get Kool Aid, <laughs> High C, Sprite, yeah. everything. Sugar. Yeah, and just a sugar, and you just throw it in there. And it, as long as it tastes good and you can down it, you're good. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's acceptable, not taste good. Like, it's, it's, yeah. A Manhattan that's, Prepared properly tastes good. That is just 100% intoxication fluid. Okay? Has nothing to do with taste. It just has to do with what I could tolerate. Okay? But here's the deal. You could still do that, but if you're doing that because you're 
peer pressured into it and you feel like that's your only way to popularity or only way to self-actualization, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. That is never going to end up in a good place for you. You got to be able to know who you are and what you like to do and do that and have the courage around your friends to say, man, I love you, bro. I love you. I would never peer pressure you into doing a shroom or doing a hit. That was my next thing. Yeah. With, if, if you have somebody that you're dating and they're an alcoholic, because I've dated an alcoholic before. And funny thing is, I never believed in alcoholism until I... So I dated this person and they were on probation when I met them. Yeah. So I didn't see them drinking at all. And they were like, yeah, you know, I had drinking problem. I'm like, okay, so you just like to party. That's yeah. what my thought process yeah. was. Like you did alcoholism is just you like to party. I've seen a lot of alcoholics in my life in my college days, but no one had a problem. This person, when they drank, the devil came out. Like I've never seen yeah. the amount of risk taking behavior they would take is is I've never seen it like that. I've never seen someone this crazy when they drank. And it was we dated for a period of time, probation, and then the probation stopped, and then it became a glass of wine. And then it became more yeah. and more and more and more. <laughs> and I think like what do you do in that situation to, to stop someone? Like, what do you tell them? How do you stop them? Do you leave the relationship completely? Or is there a, co- a combination of, is there a, a speech you give them? Yeah. Because what yeah. you're telling me right now makes a lot of sense, yeah. what you're saying to people. But if you had someone that you really loved, let's say you had a child of yours that was just a big alcoholic. Yeah. What approach would you take to kind of break that down? Yeah. I have a uh, nephew that, has a major problem with substance abuse. Major. Four or five DUIs. As far as I know, he's on the street again. Um, The closest that we got him to being sober was this last year and a half that he lived at my guest house. My guest house. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, Guest house is a house, basically. What I do is I just model a different... Okay. Now, you probably got into that where it was cool that we were drinking together, but at some point it crossed over where you're like, oh, shit, wow, this is kind of a problem, and it's maybe the third or fourth time that you said they got really risque with the things that they would do. I would um, go to them and say, hey, listen, man, I really... I really like you. I see potential in our relationship. Okay. Um, do you remember what happened last night? No, I don't remember. Yeah. But I think I had fun. Yeah. Do you think that you not remembering is a good thing or a bad thing? Let's model. There, like you're I, the person. I, I don't. I don't really care. I mean, I'm here now and I'm fine. And you know, why did I do something bad? What? What? No, you didn't do anything bad. Um, I was a little bit embarrassed on your behalf and a little bit on my behalf. Because, uh, like, you were doing some things and saying some things that I just don't think you, if you could see yourself, would think were cool. Okay? Since you can't remember it, let me give you an example of something you did last night and how I believe people responded to that and how they think about you today now that they've seen that a couple of times. I you like want to hear this? 
No, the, yeah, dude, I like this already because you're using yeah, you're using them against each other. In a sense. I'm using the same thing that they're using. I'm using peer pressure to get them to realize they didn't think that was cool. So I think the solution they thought that looked like you couldn't handle alcohol and that you might have a problem. That was a problem. Everybody was not clapping, thinking they're laughing, and they were like playing that, you know, everybody's fun game. They're laughing at you, not with they're you. They're laughing at you. They're not laughing with you. And we're together. And when they're laughing at you, they're kind of laughing at me too. So, man, like, can we talk about this? Because I think there's a way that we cannot do this. And we can do this journey together. So I'm going to, like, start backing off a little bit. I'm just going to do half of what I would normally do. Why don't you do the same? That's great. No, that's awesome. And I'll walk through this journey with you. Okay. And by the way, we might want to try THC or something else. Okay. But, and then I want you to think about why do you do that? Because you obviously got on probation because it was a problem before. And now it's kind of coming back. I think you got to do some soul searching and figure out why you do that. Because there's a route to that issue that you're, you're, you're feeding some hurt or you're feeding some need. That's the real issue. Like, let's work together to try to figure out what that is. I think that you have a really good point there with, like, peer pressure, against yeah. peer pressure. It's like if, if drinking alcohol was not cool, we would we Oh, have, 100%. We wouldn't have alcohol in this. Like, it would be the Bud Light would go to get <laughs> ground, done. And if, if drinking non-alcoholic things were, were cool, it would be, you know, we'd have a lot more of a clean society. You know, I think the normal, So make it cool. So make it cool. You're a leader. I try to be. In the community. You make it cool. It's, it's, it's all about, and that's what I preach more. See, like, for example, I had a guy that was, a guy that works with me, huge gambling problem. Gambled over seven figures away in, like, three, four years, right? Personal income that he, like, cash money, I've seen it gone. And it hurt me so much because I used to go to the casino all the time. Yeah. When I was a nightclub promoter, I used to go to the casino every single day. I had no problem with it. I'd play 100 bucks, win, lose. I'd probably evened out. More. Yeah. Probably lost a little bit of money here and there, but it wasn't detrimental. Yeah. I don't gamble anymore, yeah. like at all. Like I don't do any gambling at all because I just can't endorse it. Even if it's not a problem for me, it might be a problem for somebody else. Even if it, it's you know it's like that lifestyle. So one thing I want to uh, with modeling behavior, right? With your companies and the people that work with you, what kind of behaviors do you model, and what kind of behaviors do you want them to have in terms of like their personal life? Do you want everybody at your company to kind of stay away from alcohol in a sense, or no. okay? I want them to be healthy. And that's what, so we can switch back here. Yeah. You got true, tell true me about, AI, yeah. tell me about how that's, cause I, I fundamentally, this is like where I'm like double yeah. down on, on AI because health, it's like, you know, that is, that's, that's revolutionary. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's insane. Once you get into more of like the thought patterns, yeah. then people are like, no, they're not going to tell me how to think. They're not going to yeah. tell me how to live. Yeah. But with health, it's like, we're operating in a blind zone a lot. Of oh, times. dude. Crazy. It's crazy. Do you think that... Um, I, I am modeling Go ahead. extraordinarily healthy behavior, and it's having a dramatic impact on people because they worked for me when I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they're working with me when I'm not an alcoholic, and I'm actually peaceful but still hard driver, high expectations, and they're all getting healthy. 
like I had friends that recognized that if I was alcoholic, then they were most certainly an alcoholic, and they quit drinking. That's amazing. They didn't like call me up and say, "Hey, dude, I just want to let you know you really influenced my life." They're like, "If he could do it, I could do it." Because if he was, I am. They do it because we all grew up together. That's who I partied with in college. Okay, and then as I've gradually kind of gone to those events, and I don't drink, okay, I don't say shit about it. I don't like preach. I don't say don't drink. They bring their wine. They bring their beer. They do what they want to do, but they're just by default drinking less, man. You're right. It's not so cool. You're a thousand percent. I remember at our event, you did that with the circle of people. Yeah. And I know people are like, and they're like almost (laughs) embarrassed in a way. But they shouldn't be. It's not even like they're they're peer pressured almost to not drink because they see how functional you are. Yeah. It's interesting how that works. Yeah. And I'm on THC. Like I invited them over for a psilocybin Sunday. Okay. So um, they're kind of cool and they accept it. And they've started to introduce THC into the mix so that they drink less. So they're getting the effect. How do you how do you take THC? Is it smoking it? Is it? I'm a I'm a uh, edible guy. You're an edible guy, and what what beneficial effects do you see from? Depends on the uh, situation. Okay, so so I did a um, social media buzz today. So I've got a strain that I've scientifically, as much as I possibly can, identified what terpenes and what lanolines and all the various things that create the entourage effect in THC will do with you. I showed you those charts, okay? So I know what substances have what kind of effect on me, and I dose myself accordingly. So I did my social media dose today. So do you think that people, the average, so if someone wants to really use THC to benefit their life in some way, right? Yeah. What do they need to do? Like what research? Like Because I have no idea about that. I have no idea. So I I have a company that I started. That's too early, and I'm not doing anything until the legalization goes through, called My Perfect Dose. Okay. All right. In short, there are two parts to THC that you care about. The THC part that comes with all of the things that come with the THC part, which are your terpenes, and then there's CBD, and there's a various set of CBD. So if you want to try something out, get a THC strain that is 50-50 hybrid THC, 50-50 CBD, okay? Because that will have a stimulating and a calming effect. It won't be too, it won't make you anxious, okay? Start there in the middle and then adjust either way based on what you want to feel. You want to feel more stimulated? Go to a 75-25 THC to CBD. Or if you too overstimulated, go to a one to two. Yeah. So play with that variation. You've got two things to consider. The sativa takes you up. Indica puts you in the couch. So all you got to remember is in the couch is indica. That's a downer, more of a downer. Uh, hybrids, an upper. So, or I'm sorry, a sativa. sativa is an upper. So I like hybrids because they're a combination of sativa and indica. So they put you right in the middle. All right? 
So that's how you learn how to dose yourself. So when I dosed myself today, I was a little bit higher on the THC side because I want to be creative and I want to be engaged and I want to be looking at you and picking up on the various things that are happening around me. So I dosed myself for that today. Do you think that people can be functional? Well, well, cause there's a lot of, and I know that this is like, I'm asking you these questions yeah, with understand. knowing the answer, but almost like, do you think people can be functional with doing this stuff on a day to day basis? Oh my God. Yeah. hundred percent. Not a microdosing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's microdosing. I did a microdose. I mean, I'm going to drive home. I'll get work done. Okay. So the, one of the growers in Ohio, he has a growing license and he has a distribution license. Okay. Is a lawyer. My first dab I ever did, I did with him. And I was scared of shit. <laughs> Dabs are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So I'm like, you're going to have me do a dab? I'm like, he's like, you don't trust me? You're going to be in business with me and you don't trust me? You just talk to me about my perfect dose. You don't trust me? I'm like, okay, bro, I got to work this afternoon. Like, I got to get on the plane at work on the whole way home. I'm busy as shit. He's like, okay, you don't trust me. I'm like, I trust you. I did the dab. Best day of work I've ever had in my life. Were probably. you more focused? Oh, dude. I was killing it. I was so in the flow because he knew how to dose me. So my perfect, so the, so the problem is, because I have a lot of people that tell me I can't smoke weed because I get unfocused. Then some people tell me I can't smoke weed because I, I get in the couch or whatever it is. Not even just weed, but like just t- let me yeah. let me refine it a little bit. I can't take any THC or this, that, and a third because I'm not functional. I'm not working. Or there, and I have the other side of it. Like, dude, I need to do this. Like, obviously, we yeah, all yeah, know sure. we know people in our group that literally do it on the hour, every hour type thing. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's like. The people that are not successful with it, it's really dosing, and that's what my perfect yeah. dose is for. Yeah. Now, my perfect dose is a first crack at it. Yeah. Um, I put that on hold. Okay. Because I don't. You don't want to get. In the I want to get yet. when it's nationally distributed, or we get enough states like we have now that are legalizing it, and it's coming across the borders anyways. I'm gonna light that bitch up here soon. Okay. We're close. Because everybody just drives over to Michigan and gets the shit. Like, so Ohio is going to be forced yeah. to legalize it. Okay, yep. So it's good. Um, I think Pennsylvania is next. They're putting it on the ballot this year. But here's the deal. Number one rule. Do it by itself. Do not mix with anything. Because you can't feel the effects of something unless you just use it. Which is why all prescription medicines tell you, do not drink without yeah, alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Like, that, it's the same concept. Yep. So use the product and microdose. Just do a little bit and see what comes out. Okay. If you can't focus, the reason why it's showing you that you can't focus is because you can't focus anyways. <laughs> That's the way you already are. It's just making you aware of it. If you're anxious and you get anxious when you do THC, well, it's because you're already anxious. There are days when I do my little gummy at night and I feel anxious and I'm like, shit, what what made me anxious today? And I go back through my day. That made me anxious. <laughs> that made me anxious. Okay, let's do a breathing technique. I'm going to do a box technique. And I go through and I do a box technique. I breathe in four, hold it, breathe out four, I hold it, do about three or four of those. I just dealt with that. I don't need to worry about it. That is not going to change my life. 
I'm not going to be impoverished as a result of that. I'm not going to lose any family members or friends. That is a small issue in the grand scheme of things. I'm not letting that bother me. I'll deal with that tomorrow or the next day, whenever I fucking feel like dealing with it, because it's really not that big of a deal. Right. It's a coping mechanism. I leverage it as that coping mechanism. It brings that stuff to my mind, and I deal with it, and then I live in peace. But I, I just microdose. I do like um, seven and a half um, to five ratio THC to CBD when I get ready for social media. But what works for you would not necessarily work no. for everyone else. Because my metabolism is different. My day is different. The way I think about life right. is different. Um, the only reason why, why I, I, I could even try a mushroom is because I finally got enough confidence with THC that I could get else. over my mushroom PTSD, which I told you about my mushroom PTSD, yes. right? Yep. I went to the Pink Floyd concert and comfortably numb was in my ear for like 12 hours after that. I was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> but it wasn't the mushroom. It was like the weed, the whatever Coke. I don't we probably did everything. We were drinking while right. we're doing all that shit. It was the collection of that cocktail that messed me up. Or the shroom, okay? But um, that's responsible use and irresponsible use. That was an example of irresponsible use of, al- of alcohol and drugs. So right. I would not encourage you to do that. Or if you do it, make sure you don't drive anywhere, which we didn't. You know, so. with Now that you, you have that company on the back burner, tell me about what you're doing with the lodging. Because I know that the lodging, and this is really what I want to get into here, your lodging stuff, you're deploying a lot of capital, Scary amount of capital for a Scary. lot of people. Scary. I don't think people can even think about those numbers. Yeah, five hundred and fifty million. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, over half a billion dollars you're deploying. What? What's the point? Like, are you? Is it hotels? An Airbnb? Yeah. What, what is it? Yeah, great. Okay, so here's my philosophy on AI: Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right, and that's food, shelter, food, water. shelter, clothing, security, resources are all on the lower layer. And then I jumped up one and I got into health. Because health is kind of presumed. Yeah. All right? Okay. Where do you spend the majority of your time? Probably in my home. All right. Why shouldn't we automate things so that when you travel, all the stuff that you like at your house is at the Airbnb that you're going to go visit when you go on a little trip? It would be nice, but we don't have the technology I'm yet. building it. Exactly. And they're going to be units that we construct and manufacture in Ohio. And they will be smart. You'll walk into a computer that has membrane in the walls and floors. And I know absolutely 100% that Sumad Bassini just walked in here because I did a retinal scan on him. I did a fingerprint scan. He didn't even realize it when he set his hand on the counter. I did a fingerprint scan. And I can also do a brainwave scan. So I know that you're in there, and I'm setting this place up for him. Okay? I remember coming to your house. Yeah. And how you had the whole thing set up. And I don't think people understand this, but, you know, you have a profile, essentially. Let me break it down, and then you correct me. Yeah. You have a profile on your phone. Samed Bassani profile on his phone. X, Y, Z. And it's been, it, obviously it learns yeah. over a period of time. It knows what music I like. It knows what colors I like the room to be at a certain time. Like, for example, here I have my, at night it light, lights up yeah. lavender. I like it lavender, so it's, it's a purple color. So it's like that, but yours is on a 
yeah. <laughs> exponential scale to the countertops to yeah. the area to certain temperature settings. Yeah, hundred percent. And so this is what you have with lodging, but. How are you going to structure that? You're going to have smart homes around the United States, or is it like a hotel? Or yeah, well, or- we're going to I'll tell you exactly what we're going to do. So we're going to go buy up a bunch of boutique hotels, okay, that are really cool, really cool, and then we're going to go buy real estate. The five hundred million dollar real estate fund. We're going to go buy strategic real estate all over the uh, U.S. and we're going to turn it into the next generation of lodging, so that when people book at these places, it's like going to Disney World, but like it's Star Trek, Star Trek's version of Disney World. Like the doors go, shh, shh, okay? It'll be off the chain cool. Like it'll be the only place to stay if you're going to this place. And oh yeah, by the way, there'll be artificial intelligence research centers there. There'll be a true health AI clinic that you can go in and learn how to do all the stuff that we're talking about with artificial intelligence around your health. And then the baddest ass restaurants and clubs and all that shit right there in the area, so like a town hall. Here's what you're. Here's what the cool part too. Yeah. When you're talking about restaurants, I know we talked about this too. <laughs> it's it's like I have. Let's say I don't have any allergies really, but. Let's say I have a, a nut allergy. Oh, hell yeah. So I go to this restaurant, and I'm booking my reservation, and then it'll automatically know, 100%. hey, this guy likes this type of food. He's a big seafood eater. He has a nut allergy, and this is what he typically orders all the time that he's here, Yeah, which may or may not be what he wants right now, but it's a recommended dish. And it's Yeah, this is what he tends to like. Yeah. So the special that you have on tonight, he's probably going to love that, Okay. And that's Samad Basani, by the way. Okay, he told me that you can, he sh- I can share information with you because they got Kyra on the back end, which is our AI for all the staff, and those two communicate with each other. And oh yeah, by the way, they know that you love this certain type of bourbon and this certain type of Manhattan. They're like Samad on the house. Here you go. To create the experience. So now you feel special and now you feel recognized. So this can really be translated into It's what everybody loves and why they go to their own favorite bar because everybody knows them. How do people become a part of this? How do people become a part of your vision? Invest. Okay. Invest today. And and then use our properties. How do they invest in that? Spell it out for Um, them. Go to skyai.us. Use the code BM2023. If you want to come to an event, you can come to that event, or you can send us an email. We'll put you on the list. We're getting ready to raise capital, $50 million out of Ohio with Ohio corporations. I want all these big corporations in Ohio. Give me a couple million bucks. Let's build AI for the betterment of mankind. You have mankind working at your place. They can benefit from this. Let's go after health, security, their home, Get them secure. And then, by the way, we'll put this shit in your offices. True Health AI. And we'll put next-gen AI in your stuff. So when they come in, we know it's them. And they're good. And we can open up now artificial intelligence at your place because they're interfacing through CONCI. And we're not sharing that data. We're just leveraging it when we need to. And it's a CONCI bot. They don't know where the Conti bot's from. That's a beautiful smoke screen. Are they going to turn off all the Conti bots? No. How could they do that? Okay. 
So, um, so that's the idea. Let's start with just our basic needs. You're starting with lodging. And then you're, you're tripping into health. You're tripping. Do you think that transportation will be effective? And marketing. And marketing. And marketing. How is marketing going to be? Because you got to market all this shit. Okay. So if I'm going to go build the Disney World of the future, that's for real. You live there. I got to market that stuff. So I need social media. I got all kinds of ideas on social media, and media as a general rule of thumb. What are some of your? If you had to give someone like maybe a couple life lessons or some rules on how to live life, right? From everything you've done, because you built a lot of successful companies, you've had a lot of successful exits, because that's the crazy part. I think a lot of people don't understand. It's one thing to build a successful company. It's another thing to have an exit where you're valued at such a high level, where XYZ large corporate companies like, we need to have you now. We need to own you. We need to acquire you. We need to grab this company because, number one, if you stay alive, you're going to be competition for us. Yeah. And number two, it's like, you know, we can't, you know, that's acquisition is the highest level of it in a lot of sense. Yeah. What do you what you tell all the young entrepreneurs, all the young people out there? Grit. You got to have grit. You can be less intelligent and win with grit. There's a book called Grit that's actually about uh, West Point. It's a great book. I have found that the greatest success that I've achieved is not because I'm that smart. I am fucking relentless at figuring shit out, okay? Like, if it don't work, I'm like, okay, fuck that. Well, that didn't work. We got to do something else. I just don't give up. I just don't give up. And I'm not, like, a pain in the ass or persistent. I do not let anything get in the way of success. If it didn't work, I try something new. So you got to have grit. And to have grit, you got to be able to do shit that's hard. Like, fuck peer pressure, Okay, fuck peer pressure. 100% agree. I am going to live a balanced life. I'm going to work my ass off from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then I'm shutting it down. I'm going to take care of my health. I'm going to take care of my relationships that are important to me, and I'm going to get more done in 6 to 6 than 10 people like me because I'm healthy, I'm fucking smart, I'm out in front of AI, and I'm doing shit that's like boom. My whole new brand, I forced the team to use AI to create it. They were freaking out at, at first. I'm like, you got to feed it the prompts. You can write this stuff. Yeah. Write it up and then feed it in and see what you get back. A lot of the different AIs that we have right now are literally just pre regenerated. They're just pre entered prompts that structure a certain response in yeah. a certain way. Where, like, you know, you look at like copyright, copywriters are getting destroyed by AI. By the oh, way. yeah. They're basically replaced on in an industry because. There's ChatGPT, which gets kind of molded to create, become a copywriter, yeah. and mold your responses into five, four different ways, informative, educational, entertaining, yeah. and then you can basically select that, and there's different offsets of that AI, which is literally just the same raw AI, yeah. just 100%. And it's, people are selling that. And the funny thing is, I think that AI is so expensive right now, yeah. but it's not even where it needs to be, yeah. but later it's going to be way more advanced, it's going to be you know pennies on the dollar, you know? It'll be like this. It'll be just integrated everywhere. It's just integrated. It's always expensive up front. And so investors out there who are listening to this, I'm sure there's going to be some, that is a cue for you to not get involved. That should be a cue for you to get involved. Because if we drive down the price of this thing and we learn faster than everybody else, we win. Okay? This is not something you sit and wait on. 
We have got to get out in front of it. Okay, so back to your original question. Young people of all ages, you got to have grit. You have to be able to push yourself into areas that make you uncomfortable. You One thing that your generation did grow up with, Cement, is a very comfortable generation. Like everybody got trophies on the, ba- on the soccer team or the basketball team or whatever. A little bit too much comfort, too many helicopter and helicopter moms and dads that didn't want your life to be uncomfortable. Well, guess what? When you get out in the business world, okay, it's uncomfortable as shit. And there's people coming after you and there's people talking trash about you. You got to be able to man up and you got to be able to do things that are uncomfortable for you. So that last set of push-ups that you don't want to do at the end of your workout and you cut it, double it. That's the kind of mentality you got to have. I got to put more effort into this thing because you know what? I'm only working 10 hours. Everybody else is working 14. I get more done in my days than I've ever gotten done in my career. But man, I'm a beast. When I go after something, like I get it done. Look at it. It's done. Publish. So it's more so like plan A is plan A and plan B is plan A. How do plan B is more so how can I make plan A work? Yeah. Yeah. With with, with grit. And then make sure that you test and change, test and change, test and change. You gotta be able to adapt. How do you know if you're un- you're comfortable? When you got too much money. Okay. So financial is a good indicator. Yeah. But if you know there's I feel like there's a lot of people yeah. out there that don't have money. Okay, so how do you know you're succeeding? You're hitting your goals, okay? Because everything is just a goal. Everything is just a goal. You know, um, the first year that I did my third startup, okay, big one, you know, over getting towards $100 million in revenue, um, I had a friend ask me, what do you think you can do in your first year? I said, well... This is going to be interesting because it's basically me, car, and a car phone. My staff is actually up in Michigan, but I'm going to tell my clients I got to hire staff down here too. So you know me. We've done business together. I've ever hired anybody that wasn't a rock star? No. I said, uh, two million bucks. He's like, all right, I'll see you a year from now. You better have two million. I'm like, okay. A year later, I had over $2 million. He's like, I never thought you could do it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't either. And if it wasn't for this last contract, I wouldn't have got there. But here's the deal. I didn't think I could. I didn't know. I knew it'd be hard. Like from zero to two million, one year, 12 months. I mean, I got three months of prospecting. But I had a bunch of relationship. I got real smart. I'm like, this dude owes me a favor. I got him like three jobs. He's a person that could give me a project like right now. Called him up. Okay, it's time to pull on that favor. I need a project right now. Oh, yeah, by the way, I have bills I had to play, too, because I've been sitting on my ass for three months trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, okay? That's just put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. If I would have only got to a million five, who gives a shit? If I would have made a million-dollar goal, I might have got to a half a million. I'm like, put it out there. This event I'm doing on 24th, I'm doing a little bit of, like, reflecting like fuck man are you gonna be able to pull this off like i'm like oh shit i need people get there we got to get this going 
I put my balls out there on this thing, okay? But who cares? Like, if I only get 200 people there, I want 500 people. If I get 200, great. If I get 100, that's 100 more than I, was, I had a month or two ago. I just get out there. I just go. and I make really aggressive goals, and then I plan and execute really well. So do you – is it set large goals? If I had to structure this down in a formula, yeah. number one. Got to have grit. Got to have grit. Number two. Make sure your idea is a good idea. And here's how you make sure you're a good idea. Fucking put an idea out there, work it, and if it ain't working, pivot a little bit. Don't change completely. Just pivot it. Make it work. Find the formula. Somebody will go, oh, God, that's a great idea. And you go, really? You like that? You want 100 of them? Yeah, I'll take 100. Okay? And then you go back to the engineers and say, hey, this is what I sold. They're like, what the fuck? How are we going to do that? We got two weeks. I mean, that's how you do it. I swear to God, like, we don't know. I've never sold a product. You think I knew how to do autonomous tractors when I sold that bitch? People might think so. But Hell no. I just knew of the process of figuring it out. OnStar. We built OnStar. Which is crazy. That's crazy. You know what the fucking cell coverage was back then? Yeah. It was awful. But every car had, every, every car, car had, fucking had it. OnStar. I remember OnStar. And I told OnStar, I said, this is only good for a little tiny period of time. We got to put this on the screen and it's got to be mapped. But again, I signed this really super aggressive non-compete and I couldn't go create a map company. But three of the dudes that could... Went and started started Navistar. So I had a little piece of that, and I did some consulting with them. But here's the deal. Get the idea out there. It'll eventually take, and then you got to go to the next piece. So it's, it's, it's first off, be disciplined. Be, be grit. Be get, grit. Get grit. Put an idea out there. Work it. Work it. Work, work the pivot. idea, and then if it doesn't make sense, pivot a little bit, not change the whole thing. Yeah. And then when you talk about stat, like systems and stuff like okay, that. Okay, then number three you got to be able to deliver on what you promise. Okay? So you're aggressive. you got grit. You know you can get it done. You've got a good idea. Okay? And you're willing to morph that idea into whatever works for the customer. But once you say, yeah, I get a signed order, you got to fucking deliver. Because the worst thing that can happen is for you to sell something and have people go, oh, that sucks. Okay? Deliver on that bitch. Do you need investors in every company you start? No. I only need investors on this one because we got to move fast, and I got to have a big community get behind this real fast. So if I can get the state of Ohio behind this, and we become an epicenter for this thing, well, I automatically get New York because Chase is here. And I automatically get Michigan because they got manufacturing facilities Maybe down Michigan's here. Michigan's big, connected with Ohio. Yeah, and it's all a manufacturing base that's dying. Like, we want to build them here. Build that shit here in Ohio, in the United States of America. We don't want made in Japan or made in China on our robots anymore. They already probably have some, but not the artificial intelligence ones. So, um, yeah, so that's the three things. Grit. Get a product out there. Get it working. That'd be another way to say it. Get it working. Be willing to move it a little bit. And then once you start moving the needle, you've got to execute. You've got to follow through. What would you say about systems and procedures and stuff like that? Like, so I think a lot of people struggle. I think a lot of people like the idea of solo entrepreneur. Yeah. But I think you have a lot of people that work with you and around you. 
what would you say to the people that are solo entrepreneurs? Because my philosophy on this is always, you're never going to build something great by yourself. Never. Yeah. You're always going to have to use people and leverage people as much as possible. But if you were talking to a solo entrepreneur that wants to start a large corporation and scale out, what would you say the systems and processes that he needs? Would you tell him to go straight for AI? Would you tell him to hire admins? Would you tell him to, this is a complex question I'm throwing at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Everything's got to have an AI component. Okay. Nowadays, you think all companies, if they don't have AI, they're losing the edge. Yeah. Okay. I mean, where would they not be losing the edge? It's, okay. I mean, I believe this now, even in our financial firm, we're integrating a lot of AI oh, hell yeah. in lead generation, in sourcing, in just, you know, information getting out there. And, you know, this is like with COVID, what happened was financial services <laughs> was in person. Yeah. It was always in person. We'd sit down, we'd work with the family, we'd set up their insurance and yeah. final expense. Now with COVID, it switched everything on the phone. Yeah. Like we're all virtual, we're, we're remote, all that kind of stuff. And we had those processes set up before, yeah. which was good. And I didn't really think how hard they would actually be used. Yeah. And so that was a huge hit. Now we're integrating AI. We have our own little division of AI per se. And, you know, the, the integration is not 100% like fluid, yeah. right? Yeah. Very transparently. It's not like this is just all done by AI, yeah. but it's starting to get there. Yeah. So you think that every company, if they're if a small entrepreneur, big entrepreneur, should integrate some AI level component. You gotta, you, you've got to be thinking about. AI as a part of your business. Where would they integrate it? Like, where would they start? If I have a bakery, where would I start integrating AI? Large-scale bakery? Like a small mom-and-pop shop. I have a bakery in Cleveland, Ohio. I, I, it's just a small shop. Where would I integrate it? That's a good question. Um, recipes? What, what about a, someone just said, what about yeah. a recruiting firm? Oh, recruiting is easy. Where would you integrate AI? There are no more recruiters. I'm doing AI to figure out what somebody's real skills are based on information that I can collect in a magnificent way today. Um, here's, here's a free idea for anybody that's in recruiting or staffing, okay? You download this app and it just characterizes your behavior for, you know, a few weeks when you want it to based on what you'd like in a job and so on and so forth. And it creates this killer profile that then goes and markets to people that like this kind of person. So it's a dual, it's a dual app. It's one for employers and it's yeah. one for employees. The employee can say, Hey, this, I really like this about my job. I don't like this about my job. This is what I'm looking for in a job because that whole job process thing that you go through that ain't doesn't have one day that's over a period of time that you're thinking man i want to do something different i'm getting tired of this this is like i'll use the video world love doing the capture but the editing is kind of a bitch okay it's hard to go through all that stuff is there a way i can get through that faster all right so anyways um yeah so ai is just so prevalent in our lives, the small town baker probably going to be the least affected. Right. Okay. Cause you got to go there. Um, where I would be talking to them about AI is how do I use it for my customers? Cause I know they get urges for my stuff and they may not follow through, but if this guy normally gets something from me every seven days, I should poke him a little bit 
Send him an email. Send him a text. Do him something like, hey, I'm going to be over near your place, Samed. Would you like me to drop off some of that? So you're talking about just follow-up responses, marketing-based systems and stuff like that. Yeah. That's how I'd use that in a small bakery. Really leverage, and that helps me my purchasing, that helps me with my distribution. There's all kinds of things that, you know, almost force you to open up another one across town because you become the most popular place. Because now I can even customize my bakeries. So if you got a gluten allergy, but you love this, I got one of those. Okay? So that's how I would do it in that little bakery. So... Appreciate it all. I, yeah. I, I got one last question for okay, you. Okay, cool. How do you how do you stay happy? How do you how do you? Be, I always ask this question. How do you how do you stay happy in life? Um, that is a damn good question. How do I stay happy in life? Um. By fulfilling every day what I intended to get done that day, okay? If I find myself consistently not getting done what I know I need to get done to move the needle on a couple of things in the world, one is AI. That's my number one priority. I am fearful for mankind on behalf of AI. So the way I fix that fear is I'm getting out in front of it. The second biggest thing that matters to me is the environment. I'm passing on a technology platform that I help create and a world that I help create, and they are not ideal for my children or anybody of that age. That's what I get fulfillment and happiness out of. If I'm not moving the ball on one of those two things, okay, I'm not a happy camper. I mean, the, the, the easy shit is good relationship with my kids, good relationship with my family. That's like, if that's out of sorts, then fuck those two things, okay? Like, that's probably the problem. I'm focused more on that than I should be on my family, and I shift over. But that's all going so good. God, my relationship with my wife is fucking awesome. Um, my relationship with my kids are fucking great. I mean, I'm talking epic. We love each other to fucking the max, Okay, and there's no shit between us, like none. We're like being ourselves. Uh, That's a given. But those other two things, that's what my purpose is in life, okay? Because that's the future I'm handing on to you, man. I'm handing on a good future. I'm not handing on a piece of shit. Now that I created all that problem, no. But if I can fucking fix it, I'm going to show people how I fix it. Because I'm going to clean up the water where I live down in Florida, which is the most polluted area in the United States, bar none. Okay? So I'm going to start with the hardest, most polluted area of Florida. And if I can fix that bitch up before I die, that's my gift to mankind and to you kids. That's how I keep happy. That's powerful. Bob, I appreciate you being on today. Um, Guys, big shout out to K&D for allowing us to film this podcast. Check out Bob's. How do I invest with uh, what you got going Send on? Send an email to invest at S-K-Y-L-L-C or Sky U.S. No. Let's go back. 
invest, I-N-V-E-S-T, at S-K-Y-L-L-C.com. Cool. Okay? Send an email there. We'll follow up. You can do, we're doing a crowdsourced uh, investment vehicle for people like yourself that want to invest. And then I'm doing institutional investing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Beautiful. Love you guys. <laughs> that was a lot of heat. What's this event on the 24th? Yeah, what are you doing? Okay, so bro, I'm doing a, um, a 